0: good morning it is thursday december the 8th cold yes it is here in tw11 today and the big question really is how race and the sport are going to cope with the big freeze that is now gripping britain and ireland the meetings will go ahead and if this big freeze lasts much longer how this is going to affect an awful lot of racing's workforce that now for the first time this year have really had to start cranking the heating up with energy bills steepling. More of that in a few moments' time from Racing Welfare's Dawn Goodfellow. But first of all, we need to assess the prospects of the big fixtures in the UK and Ireland this weekend before we head around the world later in the show and check in on matters in Hong Kong and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. But first of all, let's head to Punchestown, who are hoping to host Galapande Shaw, the current Cheltenham Gold Cup favourite, for his seasonal return in the John Durkin chase on Sunday. Here is Punchestown's Richie Galway.
1: We're a little anxious about the forecast, based on the forecast, Nick, but, um, you know, we're hopeful. Uh, We've made all of the contingency plans, everything's in place. We've moved our tracks. Um, We have so much ground in Punchestown, We can uh, provide fresh ground on the hurdle and chase tracks in in totality, as well as the bypass areas, which can sometimes catch you out. Uh, We've also put out frost covers on all the vulnerable areas, and it's, a watching brief between now and Sunday, but we're hopeful. We're really keen to run the meeting, obviously. It's a brilliant renewal of the Durkin and, and, you know, really excited to see Gallop and Deschamps, Farquhar de D'Ares, you know, a proper proper race.
0: Um, If you can't race on Sunday, would you be able to race Monday?
1: It probably looks like Tuesday at the earliest. Um, Nick, I think the forecast is potentially due to improve on Tuesday as well. And obviously, the Durkin um, for those horses, you want to run it as quickly as possible in advance of Christmas. But I think Tuesday at this stage would be a, a, a possibility. But we're we're not giving up hope on Sunday just mm. yet.
0: The, I mean, the good thing in Ireland is you're quite agile, more agile than we are about rescheduling wholesale fixtures like this onto a onto a weekday. If you needed to, you feel you could ha- you'd have all the ducks in a row to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, HRI um, and the IHRB—they're uh, helpful in these circumstances. We do tend to uh, get a bit of practice with inclement weather over the winter, so it's something we're all very used to. And um, so, yeah, everybody is helpful to allow uh, tracks to reschedule as quickly as possible. And those discussions are—you know—they're ongoing in the background. But as I say, we're still hoping for Sunday. But yeah, we're 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 chatting about those plans.
0: And here's John Pullen at Cheltenham. John, what's the latest?
2: Um, Nick, we got down to, uh, dipped down to minus six um, overnight. The majority of the evening was sort of minus three, minus four, but as usual it dips just before dawn and that's where we saw it dip down to minus six. Um, walking it this morning and checking under the covers, um, we're okay at the moment. There's no frost under the covers, um, so you know we're, we're okay at this stage um we've got another frost forecast this evening that's a minus 3 minus 4 and daytime temperatures tomorrow are around plus 1 plus 2 um, and then we go into and then we go into friday uh, evening and it's minus 3 minus 4 again uh, and daytime on saturday uh, again plus 1 plus 2
0: that's your difficulty isn't it you can get friday on but then you open up the ground and the frost gets into it makes saturday harder is there any suggestion you could try and sacrifice Friday for the sake of Saturday?
2: Um, no, Nick, no, you know, we, we've at, at the moment we look like we've got a race course that's that's perfectly raceable for Friday, um, you know, and, and in that situation, uh, you know, we'll be racing on Friday.
0: Okay, so Friday is more likely of the two at the moment?
2: Um, you know, we're, we're doing all we can to get both days on. Um, as you've alluded to there, the challenge will be getting covers down um, after racing on Friday, but uh, we'll start that process during racing. Uh, on Friday, we've uh, we don't use the two and a half mile shoot um, after the fourth race, so the team will be in there covering that whilst racing continues on on Friday, just to help us get ahead of the game.
0: And are you helped at all by the fact that this is the first proper frost of the winter? Is there residual heat in the soil, or doesn't it work like that?
2: No, absolutely. So the start of the week, our soil temperatures were around five and a half degrees, and that's dropped down to sort of three degrees this morning. So. Uh, it's certainly a benefit that this is the first cold spell, and that soil um, uh, heat that, that we've got at the moment has certainly helped us. And obviously, we're, it's the first meeting on the new course, so there's there's good grass cover, and, and we've not been uh, racing on it to date.
0: John Pullen there from Cheltenham. And before that, Richie Galway from Punchestown. So the key news points there as I welcome in David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Dave Punchestown, agile enough to think about a contingency on Tuesday. I've spoken to Willie Mullins this morning. He said that he's desperate to get a run into gallupin and, and he will be going to Punchestown come what may if they postpone to Tuesday. Uh, and of course, it would mean that Paul Townend could then ride both Enegu men, uh in the hilly way at court because there don't seem to be any problems there and also gallupin des But uh, at this stage, Punchestown still hopeful. And Cheltenham, it's the Friday-Saturday problem there, but John Pullen said, no, we'll press on and and, and race Friday if we can.
3: Yeah, the, the Punchestown situation, I think... Reading between the lines i think it's probably marginally worse maybe than Cheltenham even though they're hopeful um the fact that they've made that contingency uh, the i think the problem in ireland at Punchtown is that the there's a prolonged period isn't there in during which the the temperatures are not due to not forecast to rise uh, above freezing so that's their problem yeah that the the issue as john Pullen explained there it it sounds like the Uh, They have an identical forecast for both nights as as low as minus five and the issue will be getting the, uh, the, the covers down after racing provided that it takes place tomorrow. So that's where they stand. I think the... Um, the, the, there are positives for Cheltenham in that the new course is being used for the first time uh, and they've got a, a good cover of grass, all that jazz. Uh, the, the negative is that I think they f- they finished watering on, I think it was Tuesday, so there's still a bit of moisture in the ground to freeze. So um, hopefully, reading from what, um, listening to John Pullen there, it sounds like he's hopeful that both cards will take place. And um, yeah, the, the uh, contingency is in place for Punch Town next week.
0: The first real freeze, then, since the the energy crisis started to engulf the UK, and that will clearly have significant implications for a a large portion of racing's workforce. I've been speaking to the chief executive of racing welfare, Dawn Goodfellow, and these were, were her observations a few moments ago.
4: That's right. We've got um, a a bit of a perfect storm. A lot of things have come together, as you say. It's always an expensive time of year, but this is our first real cold snap. Um, And also the energy price cap, of course, has just gone up again. So there will be a lot of people very worried and worried about whether they can turn their heating on um, and keep themselves warm enough. And, And it's fundamental to everybody's well-being that they're able to do that hence the launch of our home energy grant um, that we provide and that's for anybody who is currently working in racing or who has worked in racing so retired staff as well
0: Uh, and just tell us a little bit more about the home energy grant we featured it briefly on the podcast a, a couple of weeks ago but we want to keep it fresh in everybody's mind
4: that's right. So it's um, it's a one off grant of three hundred pounds. There are eligibility criteria, but really don't worry about that. My key message is get in touch um, because our welfare officers can talk you through it and and can help ascertain whether you are eligible. And even if you aren't, there may be other ways in which we can help you anyway. So as I say, the absolute key message is get in touch. And you can do that either via our support line, um, which is 0800 6300 443, or go onto our website where you'll find that number, or you can email us about it as well
0: are you particularly concerned at racing welfare given the perfect storm that you you described is there evidence to suggest that that there is a greater need at the moment amongst amongst racing's workforce and retired workforce
4: Very much so. So in a normal year, going back over a number of years now, our primary spend would be on uh, physical health. Um, Obviously, it's an industry um, which does carry some risks um, from a physical health perspective, whether that's accidents, injuries, illnesses. What we have seen over the last few months is that actually the emphasis is switching much more to people coming to us for financial assistance. So yes, we are definitely seeing Um, an an increase in that sudden. And of course, that follows on from COVID, um, where a lot of people were laid rather low in financial terms anyway, if they were furloughed um, and only on 80% of their income or indeed laid off or their partner. Um, was then then you were already starting from a base that was distinctly wobbly. So we are definitely seeing an increase in that. I'm very, very grateful. The, the reason that we're able to offer these grants is because the John Pearce Foundation has um, agreed to underwrite them. So we're incredibly grateful to them for that, obviously.
0: And and clearly as well, this is a a big time of year for for fundraising, and and I'd imagine that that you rely heavily on on what people can give generously during the the festive period.
4: Yes, we do. Um, All of our income comes from charitable donations, so that's a continual treadmill we're on. And of course, everybody's feeling the pinch now, so that's going to be... We know next year is going to be challenging from that perspective. We're already finding that. So, you know, we would we would raise something like three quarters of a million pounds a year from fundraising events. Well, already we're seeing that those are people are drawing their horns in a bit. Um, so from a financial perspective, we know we've got a tough year coming up too.
0: Dawn Goodfellow there, the Chief Executive of Racing Welfare. David Yates is, is still with me. David, it's going to be a a very taxing and exacting and challenging few weeks and months for an awful lot of people.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. With the hike in energy prices, Nick, I think, am I the only one who's noticed that when I go around friends' houses these days, the heating doesn't appear to be on? And I must admit that uh, prior to yesterday I'd switched my own heating on here in Forest Hill just twice uh ju- once the nights started drawing in um however as as we know talking about the cold snaps that are affecting british and irish racing now and the fact that uh, we've we've lost uh, meetings to uh the freeze this week this is the point when it gets serious um i think that there were forecasts in some parts of the country uh for the temperatures to drop down to minus 10 and so here if you've got families and you need to keep the uh the place reasonably warm you've got no um option now but to switch your heating on so um up until now i think many of us have got away with it but if this is uh, going to uh, come back over the next coming weeks and months then clearly it's going to be a, pro- a problem um, there is help from the government of course uh, with regard to uh, heating bills but yeah it's it's going to be um, financially very hard for some families i know it's something of a cliche uh, perhaps these days to talk about the choice between uh, eating and heating but It's a it's going to be a very real problem in a lot of households. And that, of course, will uh, hit those who work in horse racing as well as everywhere else.
0: You've done quite a bit of work for racing welfare. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the Carol's concert next week.
3: As you know, Nick, I don't normally like to talk about my work for charity, but like everybody in horse racing, uh, I have a fondness for racing welfare and I support them whenever I can. Um, The Carol concert takes place next week. So that's on Wednesday, December the 14th. It's at Tatzels, uh, for those of you who need a sat-nav. Postcode, it's CB89BT. Uh, doors open at 615 and the singing starts at 645. Uh it costs seven quid to get in for adults and it's free for children. So if you're in the area next Wednesday afternoon, early evening, then please go along.
0: You'll be lending your lyric base to the proceedings?
3: Um, I don't know at the moment if I'm free. Then I certainly will be, and I I love a, uh, a sing song, three hundred and sixty five days of the year, but certainly at Christmas with my lyric bass, as you say.
0: A lot of other news, a change of the time, Dave, to the King George the Sixth Chase at Kempton on Boxing Day. What's prompted this?
3: Yeah, indeed, the um, it's actually the football. Uh, that has prompted this and it's not the world cup of course because the world cup final takes place on i think it's sunday december the 18th um but this will be the uh, the the biggest day i think it's the biggest day of domestic football of the year and it's certainly the the biggest day since the return of domestic football um after uh, the world cup in qatar and the king george is going to take place at 2:30 um it's been it's it's been held between three o'clock and three fifteen for its last ten runnings, and so it's been brought forward by at least half an hour. Now um, there will be some humming and whoring um, about this because, of course, it's it's seen that perhaps that racing is is giving way uh, to football, but. I suppose it, if if it's a question of bowing to the inevitable, then maybe 2.30 is the right place to do it. I, I, I'd like to see how this works out, really. Um, if it does make a material difference, then um, I'm happy to give it my support uh, afterwards. But it does seem a, um, a bit strange to have it quite that early. It's great news for written scribes because it means that uh, we can scratch our chins for an extra 30 to 45 minutes, however.
0: I can't let an episode go by, David, without mentioning the new whip rules. Um, you've got some more info on that, this time from the PJA.
3: Yeah, the, the PJA has sent a whip rules reminder uh, to its members yesterday, reminding them of the, the bedding-in period dates uh, over jumps the 9th of January to the 6th of February and on the flat from the 27th of February uh, to full implementation on the 27th of March. Um, the Racing Post... Um, quotes a couple of jockeys just saying that this uh, transition period is expected to be hard Richard Kingscott said I think it's going to be hard for lads to adapt uh, but we've been told what we have to so I guess we'll just have to get on with it and those sentiments were echoed by uh, Jim Crowley so we'll see how that goes on I'm not going to get into uh, an argument now about the numbers and all those other things uh, that we've discussed before um i think that it is going to be uh, a difficult process however and in that time i think racing will have to fasten its seatbelt, uh, possibly for a bit of turbulence with regard to uh, outside uh, media organizations looking in so shall we just leave it at that
0: probably sensible for the time being right hong kong in a minute you'll be hearing from trainer richard gibson but first of all graham cunningham is Trackside having witnessed the Happy Valley International Jockeys Challenge yesterday, and then of course it'll be transitioning to Chartin ahead of the big day, which will be Sunday morning UK time. Graham, we spoke to Sylvester D'Souza on the podcast yesterday. He was he was great in an interview with with Maddie Playle, and then lo and behold, he goes and shares the Jockeys Challenge. That looked like a lot of fun yesterday. Uh,
5: it was. Uh, hi Nick. Uh, hi everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. It was it was a very unusual night. Um, starting from just walking into the track, I know you've been to the Valley. Uh, It just felt like uh, old times were back. It's it's the first time in a long while that they've had the lasers, the fireworks, the band, the beer garden, the party atmosphere. And as in all parts of the world, Nick, it's been a grind. But it's been a real grind for a lot of people in Hong Kong. And, and, And it just felt, you know, tempting fate that, the things were, were moving in the right direction. So um, it seems to be going nicely. The, they have this algorithm, as you know, Nick, to try to portion rides in an equitable manner to give all 12 riders a pretty fair crack of the whip. It used to be in the past that you would just draw four horses. When Sylvester won it, I think, four years ago, that was the way he went bosh, bosh, uh, rode a couple of winners, and it was game over for the rest. But this algorithm seems to be working extremely well, to the point at which, going into the last race... I'm pretty sure that 10 riders could have won. Uh, One of the 10 was Sylvester, and he didn't have a point at that point. He hadn't had a first, second, or a third. But he did have a fourth, which made him eligible for the countback if he won the race. He duly won the race on Adios, and he shared the spoils with Tom Marquand. So it it was a real fun night and uh, I think a sign that things are, are finally, finally moving in a positive direction for Hong Kong racing. So
0: what were the main headlines from the from the barrier draw as regards uh, Sunday's races?
5: I think lots of people got what they were looking for, uh, I'll deal with the mile first which is going to be the headline, uh, Golden 60, um, his trainer Francis Lloyd said he, he fancied four, five, six or seven, he got four, didn't want to be dead low for a hold up horse, didn't want to be out wide, four is fine. And it means that if vincent hole wants to he can race a little handier than sometimes is the case in order to stalk zach purton on california Spang- spangle the main danger and i think a serious danger by the way who is installed too that horse will go forward zach needs to decide whether he wants to go slow slow quick quick slow quick or quick 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 now, he's had a couple of goals it hasn't worked out but it was only a neck. Remember last time in the Jockey Club Mile, and he is working like a, a very good horse. That California Spangle. So it's possible um, that there's not one ace in the mile pack. We know there's one ace, Golden Sixty. It could be. It could be that there's an ace and a young king, because um, I think that has the makings of a of a rip roaring battle up the lane with with those two. I can't wait for that
0: race. We talked a little bit about uh, Bally Doyle the other day. Aidan O'Brien's got. A nice, nice little hand. You were quite keen on Stone Age. Anything to um, disabuse you of that notion?
5: Nothing at all. Um, trends are, you know, a poor master sometimes. But Highland Real won the uh, Hong Kong Vase as a three-year-old by Galileo. Uh, Mogul won the Hong Kong Vase for Aiden as a three-year-old by Galileo. And Stone Age um, is a Galileo, Galileo three-year-old who doesn't yet have a Group 1 win. But you know um, that he's a pretty good horse. He's a good horse, uncomplicated. Second in the Breeders' Cup turf is a very good passport to Hong Kong. We've seen that plenty of times, including with Aidan's previous winners. And in a race that doesn't have much pace, he's drawn one. It's a mile and a half race, so let's not go overboard. But do not be surprised if if, if Ryan Moore uses that draw uh, to sit first or second and then try to let Stone Age's long, flowing stride um, do the rest in the home straight. It's it, He's not a good thing, not by any means, mm. not when you've got a dual winner like Glory Viles and Joe morera uh, on your tail into the straight, but um, I think he gets £5 pounds from the older horses, and for a good horse like Stone Age to be getting uh, £5 pounds from the older horses so late in the year, uh, I think that's a handy weight advantage for him to receive.
0: Uh, Graham, why are there no British horses running in Hong Kong?
5: Uh, it, it's, please, answers on... On a postcard um, with a you know a, a big stamp on marked Hong Kong, it's very very strange. Uh, I think one of your next guests, Richard Gibson, might uh, touch on this. I find it baffling. Some people will say you're biased, you bias your work there, but it's medication free. Jockey club bend over backwards to make good horses welcome, and there is something in the region of twelve million pounds sterling for four Group Ones. The standard is high in a couple of races. The standard is um, achievable in a couple more, especially the VARs and perhaps the Cup as well. But its I, I'd like to ask you this. You, you know more about this than me. A lot of the eligibles are concentrated in pretty few hands. I'm talking about Godolphin hands at home. And Godolphin don't seem minded to send horses to this meeting. They maybe feel it comes a little close to the start of a new campaign with the carnival kicking off in Dubai in January and massive prizes in Saudi and back in Dubai in March. That could be the reason, but um, it's the one missing piece of the puzzle at the Mm. moment. It's amazing to think that there are no British horses, three Irish horses, a couple of French horses, a German horse, uh, Mendocino, um, a great British jockey in Ryan Moore. A high-quality British trainer in Richard Gibson. More of him in a moment. But no British horses. And I think, and it's a speculator on my part, but I do know how the Jockey Club work. In terms of um, KPIs for next year, one or two execs will have get some British stars back on deck. It used to be replete with them many years ago. Your fantastic lights, all sorts of high-quality horses. Alexander Goldrun from Ireland, top-quality horses, Ouija board, I could go on and on and on. But for the moment, there's a low, uh, but um, it is fixable, and I'm sure it will be addressed.
0: Well, as promised, here is Hong Kong-based trainer Richard Gibson. Uh, Richard, where do I find you right now? What time is it in Hong Kong?
6: Well, it's precisely um, quarter to five in the evening, and I'll try and be accurate because I'm at the evening stables and and the, and the crew are all in front of me. And they've just completed their bison ceremony. A bison ceremony is, is 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 Chinese luck. It's something they do at the beginning of the year. It's very popular at Chinese New Year. So um, there's lots of joss sticks. There's lots of candles. There's lots of burning paper. And now everyone's tucking into a uh two very delicious looking um, suckling piglets. Oh. And and there's also chicken and duck, and um and I've got a blue girl lager in my left
0: hand. This sounds absolutely perfect. Is is all it is, of
6: it? The... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cloud in the sky. It's, it's it's very nice.
0: Um, how's how's life with you? How's your season been?
6: Well, good. You know, the, the, you know we're still sort of first first quarter, but um, you know, obviously it's up. You know. We very quickly go into the the biggest weekend of the, of the year, and, and you know, and this is happening on Sunday. Uh,
0: a weekend at which you've had significant success before, of course. Um, tell everybody who doesn't know about Wellington a bit more about Wellington, because it looks a very, very fast horse indeed.
6: Yeah, you know, he's he's, he's done great. Um, he's won. I uh, haven't got the stats in front of me. I think he's won eleven or twelve races now. Uh, he's, he's, won, um, he's won three Group 1s and he's he's been the best sprinter here for the last couple of seasons uh,
0: And you've trained very good sprinters people with reasonably decent memories will remember Gold Fun who you went so close with at, at Royal Ascot a few seasons ago. Uh, is Wellington the, the best sprinter you've had?
6: Yeah he's faster than Gold Fun Gold Fun was pretty, uh, pretty flexible we, we, we got him up to derby distance and then a mile and have trained him to be a sprinter in older age but um wellington's a much faster horse he's by all too hard and um you know when he's on his a game he's he's tough to beat
0: so it's one of those it's basically one of those good australian sprinting pedigrees isn't it
6: it is yeah yeah, yeah. he came uh, bred by a cure a very good breeders down under um
0: so just looking at this horse's progress through the last year you've got a a, a, a group one victory over over seven uh, a brace of Group 2 victories over six, another Group 1 win over six, and then last time was, was beaten at, at odds-on behind Lucky Swainess. Are there reasons to think that he can bounce back?
6: Yeah, he, you know, I've, I've been sort of amusing myself by calling him Ronaldo all week. You know, he's very expressive horse, and when something's slightly wrong, he, he rolls around on the floor and stands on three legs, and he just had a few niggles, and uh, he wasn't right after the race. And uh, we're confident with the matter of the big
0: one. And if he comes through this with flying colours, um, might he be a horse that we see in, in Europe next summer?
6: Well, you know, it'd be very interesting. You know, I'm, I, you know I've been saying all week, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted for a poor Alexei Badel who's got two screws in his ankle and, and, and is on one crutch and with, a, with a broken shoulder. You know, he, he would be riding the horse, he, he, he knows him very well, and um, you know, obviously it's terrific to have. Ryan's expertise and and experience on board on Sunday, and and, and of course, you know, it, it, he'll be the guy I'll, I'll be asking after the race on, uh, on, on, on on future travel plans.
0: But is it something that appeals to you?
6: Obviously, it appeals to me as a as a European trainer. But um, you know, Mr. Chang from um Kailun doesn't know much about um, Royal Ascot or, or or anything outside Hong Kong racing, so. We can sort of
0: balance the books a bit. Um, we've been hearing from Graham and, he- and hearing from you. Clearly, the buzz is back a little bit th- this week, or, or quite significantly this week. Yeah,
6: it was terrific to see Happy Valley on fire, you know, in all its pomp. Um, you know, last night at, at, at the Valley, there was a good crowd in, and we haven't seen that for close to three years. And a uh, big crowd expected on Sunday. Japanese have come, uh, in, you know, another brilliant squad and uh you know with golden 60 in hong kong you know we, uh, and the wellington and sprint division you know we, we've got a couple of you know very good
0: life chances and you've just taken command of of thesis the royal ascot winner who i i know was a a pretty um valuable and expensive import to, to hong kong how's he getting on
6: yeah well uh, he runs on debut on sunday so uh we're really looking forward to seeing him run and um uh ryan gets the ride on that because he knows the horse well and um uh, you know, he hasn't run since Royal Ascot, so he's he's going to be a bit rusty. But uh, we're still expecting um, a good debut from the course.
0: And, and Graham and I, I asked Graham the question: What? Why, why are not more Brits or any Brits coming for the for the HKIR? Is it anything you yeah, could you know, figure you know, out?
6: I, you know, I, I criticised Graham a bit; he kind of wanted the headline. But I, you know, <laughs> I just look back in history, and you know, I've seen so many great names, you know, it seemed only sort of 15 years ago you'd have a very strong squad of of thirty European horses and that you know Luca kumani was you know he was a master at having one primed for this weekend and you know the, the great bears the you know the snow fairies the Ouija boards uh, uh, Richard Hammonds uh, Greyfilly, um whose name I've forgotten um you know there have been some proper proper group one European performers have, have come here and I Massively respect Eden O'Brien for you know bringing another good squad, but I, I hear on your podcast every every week there's no prize money. I, I'm 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 surprised we haven't got a better European contingent.
0: Charina Richard Gibson, there we will be back in Hong Kong tomorrow, but now we are going to turn our attentions to Saudi Arabia as we build towards the 2023 Saudi Cup. We'll be featuring what's been going on in the kingdom every week with our good friend Martin Kelly, who's been following the racing in the kingdom since the Saudi Cup's inception and is a regular on the circuit during the course of of the entire year. And Martin, we've just been hearing about Hong Kong really getting back into something like full swing after a a difficult couple of years. And we can expect much more of
7: that when we we get to to Saudi Arabia in, in February. Yeah, the international racing scene is really sort of taking uh, prominence through the winter, and we're now just 79 days away from the Saudi Cup of 2023. All takes place back at King Ability's race course on February the 25th, and, and it's an event that's really progressed since it was first staged back in 2020, that huge prize pot of $20 million. The race, of course, awarded Group One status last year, and a terrific result for the locals, Emblem Road, locally trained and ridden as well. He beat a subsequent Dubai World Cup winner in country grammar. And, I know, Nick, you've been down to Melbourne recently. The atmosphere down there is electric. You've been to the Breeders' Cup. But I thought the, the reception that horse got last year and the, the raw emotion of the crowd was was something really special. Uh, Emblem Road,
0: very well bred horse, um, very well um, bred horse in, in the United States, bought from a, a breeze up sale in, in Florida, uh, ended up in, in Saudi Arabia, became a champion there, went to France,
7: didn't really work on the turf. Uh, what's the plan for him? Yeah, he went to Vichy he? back in the the summer had one run there. I should say that didn't work out, but he's back in Saudi Arabia. If you check out the official Instagram page for the Saudi Cup, you can see him actually on the track there last week. So he's back over there, back in training, and the Saudi Cup on February 25th, very much his aim. But the big question is, who will ride him? Because last year it was Wiggy Ramos, the 54-year-old Panamanian who's been based out in Saudi since the late 90s. He announced last month that he was going back to spend a bit of time with his family. He's taken a bit of a break from racing, but we saw last year with Glenn Boss, the, the legendary Australian jockey, he came out of retirement to ride in the jockey's challenge and I just wonder with Wiggy if the lure of being pulled back to the Saudi Cup is going to be enough for him he of course missed the jockey's challenge in year one with a hand injury he missed the Saudi Cup in year two as his horse got injured and then of course he won the race last year uh, on emblem road so will Wiggy be back we'll watch this space over the coming weeks
0: the qualifying races for the Saudi Cup have already started just just tell us a bit more
7: yeah, eight qualifying races taking place that guarantee an automatic invitation. Uh, they take place in Saudi Arabia, Japan, America, and Bahrain. As you say, Bahrain trophy has already been and gone. That was won by Dubai Future for Godolphin, the Wolverton winner, of course. Dubai Future, Sayed bin Suroor saying after the race he's on course for the Neon Turf Cup. So that's one in the bag so far. Two qualifying races in Japan last weekend on Saturday we had the Group Three Challenge Cup. That was won by Christophe Maire and So Valiant. Connections yet to commit. Uh, on, a, on a challenge for Saudi. Um, but it's worth keeping an eye on these Japanese qualifiers. Four winners, of course, on Saudi Cup night last year from uh, Japan. We had a trial for the Saudi Cup on Sunday, the Champions Cup. That was won by one light bolt. That's got two owners... One's keen to go to the Saudi Cup, one's not so sure. So we'll see if he does take his chance. The second horse, though, from there, that was Crown Pride. Connections of that horse keen uh, to get a slot in uh, Saudi Arabia. And that's been a, a good trial, Nick, because three the last three winners from that race have all gone on to run on Saudi Cup night, including last year's winner, Tio Keynes, who was eighth in the Saudi Cup. And a qualifying race to come this weekend at Nakayama on Sunday. It's a qualifier for the Riyadh Dirt Sprint. We'll give you news on that next week. But just worth pointing out that Dancing Prince, he won the race in Nakayama last year and went on to win on Saudi Cup night in the Riyadh Dirt Sprint.
0: Martin, a a lot of people who aren't familiar with racing in in Saudi Arabia will will think, well, it's all about the Saudi Cup. It's not. It goes on pretty much year round now and is, is developing and expanding all the time. There's a huge domestic season.
7: It is, yeah, and the, the international imports are becoming um, ever more prominent as well. The The, the summer season is at a, a race course called uh, Taif, which is out towards the west coast of Saudi Arabia, up in the mountains. If you get a chance today, just Google Taif race course in that whole area. The scenery looks stunning, but they're racing back in Riyadh at the moment. The race Thursday, Friday and Saturday, and the season goes on to the end of March. And we've got domestic Group 1 races taking place even beyond... Uh, The Saudi Cup. As well as that, they've had a big sale, Nick, over the last few days. It ended on Tuesday. It was a yearling sale. Over 500 horses went through the ring and the lead lot was a horse by not this time who sold for 1.3 million SAR, which is around 300,000 pounds. Um, and of course, so today they're racing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The big race this weekend is the final race on Saturday, 7.30 local time. It's the Board of Directors Cup. Seven horses going to post. And the top-rated horse in that is Al Mazraj, who's uh, rated 102. He disappointed last time, but he's been highly tried. He's four from nine so far. And we'll see a big showing from him in the future race. And don't forget, you can see all the racing from King of the Disease course on the YouTube channel. And you can keep in touch there with what's happening over in Saudi Arabia.
0: Okay, thank you to Martin David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, is still with me. You've got something for me for this afternoon.
3: Yeah, we're going to the seven thirty race at Chelmsford City. It's the Hendo's birthday bash. Handicap. So uh, many happy returns, Nicky. You don't look it. Uh, number eight, Hit Mac, a horse who was second on nursery debut at Lingfield last time for the very much in form, George Bowie. I hope that he can go one better here. 7.30 race at Chelmsford City. Selection is number eight, Hit Mac.
0: There you are. That was Thursday, December the 8th. Do stay warm. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>